If inventory truly is evil, then a lot of manufacturers and retailers over the past decade haven't gotten the message. Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. It's Apple CEO Tim Cook who has been quoted as saying that inventory is fundamentally evil. And a lot of his fellow executives at companies the world round seem to agree with all of their focus on just-in-time and build-to-order and lean operations. If they were truly committed to those concepts, however, then surely we would have seen a sharp and steady drop in inventory levels over the years. But that hasn't happened. According to a new report from Transport Intelligence Limited, inventory levels have actually been on a decade-long rise. So why the contradiction? Today we'll get an explanation from John Manners Bell, Professor and Chief Executive of Transport Intelligence, or TI. We'll talk about the forces that are causing retailers to increase days of supply and inventory, a key metric for determining stocking levels in the warehouse and elsewhere in the supply chain. And we'll address the big question. For all of the hoopla attending their promotion and practice over the years, are JIT and Lean dead? So here is my conversation with John Manners Bell. John Manners Bell, welcome back to the show. Great to be here, Bob. It's a real pleasure speaking to you again after a little while, I think. Last time we talked about Brexit. Today our subject is something quite different. It's a new report from Transport Intelligence called Inventory Benchmarking Vertical Sector Trends. And the conclusion of this new report is quite surprising. It identifies over the period of the last decade an actual increase in inventory levels as measured by days of supply and inventory, which we call DSI, despite the efforts over the years of manufacturers, distributors, and the like to engage in such initiatives as lean, build-to-order, and just-in-time. That being the case, that you actually have discovered an uptick in inventory levels despite all those efforts, first of all, were you surprised by that result? Well, I certainly was. Like many of us, we were sort of doing our research and doing our academic piece during the 1990s. It was certainly the case that we were being taught that all inventory was bad. And of course, Tim Cook very famously reported to have said that inventory is fundamentally evil. And so when I approached this piece of work, really, it was to have a sort of check on the state of the market, the state of the union, as it were, in terms of inventory. And I have assumed that 20, 30 years on, that inventory levels would be showing a downward trend, but that really wasn't the case. So we started looking uh, and digging a little bit deeper, and we've really sort of found that uh, the situation is really quite complicated in terms of the different strategies which are being employed in many different sectors. I want to parse those industries. That was one of my questions I wanted to ask you. But first of all, just a little bit more background on this study. It looks like it was a pretty exhaustive study. 187 manufacturers and retailers around the world. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I had uh, 
about the team looking at the financial results, uh, the annual accounts of these companies to get a, a global view uh, from not only the US and Europe, but also Asia as well, where mm. a lot of, of course, these manufacturers are based. It was a very comprehensive and that gave us enough sample size to be able to look at all the different sectors I was talking about. And the conclusion between 2008 and 2017 that these companies were holding 10 more days of stock. Now, could you put a money number of a value on that or, or is that impossible to do just how much more inventory in terms of value is sitting around over that time? I think that's almost impossible to do and probably not very useful because obviously these companies have grown considerably over that period of time. So what we're looking for is really the relation between inventory and also the turnover, the revenue. So the reason why we use this benchmark uh, days of inventory is that it relates the amount of inventory to turnover and is able to to show whether those companies are growing or not to show how efficiently they're actually dealing with this issue. Well, let's talk about some of the specific industries that you looked at. Which industries were holding the most stock or had shown the biggest increase and which ones were less so? The, at the top end, we have the pharmaceutical sector. They were cons- holding considerable days. I think up at uh, 186 days was for the, the average for that for that particular sector. And there are many good reasons why they're doing that, which we'll probably come on to have a chat about a bit later on. At the other end of the spectrum, we have the, the retail sector. For example, many of the big supermarkets are, are right up there in terms of the lowest days of inventory held. So for, I think on average, about 33 days. But within that, there are a lot of companies uh, a lot of major retailers who are holding less than that. So retail at one end and uh, pharmaceutical at the other. Uh, High tech's another really good example of a much lower DSI. Despite that, on the retail side, despite the fact that, that uh, retail is relatively low, you do cite Walmart as an example of a retailer that is looking at other factors that are important that do lead to an increase in inventory. Well, what's, what's Walmart's thinking there, do you think? Like everything, it's Amazon. Amazon are shaking mm. things up and including inventory management uh, strategies as well. Availability is becoming the key word now. And the more uh, annual reports you read in, in the retail sector, the more you see this word availability. And that's that's trumping uh, low inventory at the moment because they know that um, due to the Amazonization of the industry, customers want their goods today preferably, but if not that, tomorrow. And of course, most people listening to this podcast will understand what Amazon have done to within with their prime product. And of course, so Walmart is creating what they call the inventory mirroring, which basically means that they're increasing their levels of stock because they need to make sure that those products are on the shelves. But they want to do it in a way which sort of cuts down, which mitigates the, the impact of this inevitable increase in inventory, which is going to occur. So uh, so it's, it's availability is, is the key word at the moment, probably more than lean, for example. I wonder to what extent that lean uh, back then, a decade or so ago, was mostly aspirational in nature and that some of these companies have found that it doesn't work for them, that they thought it was going to work and that other factors came to the fore and they reversed position or did not embrace lean like they thought they had. Were they themselves surprised, do you think, by this? There was a a turning point, really. And we we look back a a few years where 
risk suddenly became factored into supply chains. And we remember the uh, Japanese tsunami and the Thai floods, which had a huge impact both on the automotive and high tech sectors, for example. And at that point, it became the boards of the, the big manufacturers suddenly are thinking to themselves, well, actually, maybe we shouldn't be pushing to, to the, the lowest possible inventory at the moment, because when we've done that, it's really screwed up our supply chains when the number of our suppliers get taken out. So at that point, I think there was a, a change in attitude towards inventory to this understanding that inventory, not all inventory is evil. It actually can be quite useful, uh, especially if you want to maintain you, your flows. So I think lean certainly hasn't had its day, and I think it's definitely obviously aspirational, but there are now more factors which are being taken into account in terms of your overall supply chain strategy. Do you also think, I don't know if there's any connection to this at all, but do you also think that it might signal the fact that there's not as much reshoring, bringing production back to this hemisphere from Asia as we might have expected to happen with rising wages in China and rising risk considerations and tariffs and all that kind of stuff? If that were to happen, you would think we'd need less inventory because manufacturing would be closer to market. Is there a connection there? Well, I think there probably is a, a connection, not one that we've tested, uh, I have to say. But certainly, nearshoring reduces the amount of risk as you have less extended supply chains. And so you don't need to worry so much about strikes and so on. You're manufacturing much closer to the, the end market. Uh, and of course, that means also means that you're, you're being able to supply goods more frequently and also in a more robust and resilient way. So certainly that should have an impact on inventory holdings. Did you break this down in order to even define the word inventory? In other, in other words, what types of inventory is, is being held? Is it finished product? Is it parts? Is it semi-finished product that is engaged in postponement strategies at, at closer to mm. the point of consumption? Do you have any understanding of that? Yeah, definitely. And this is an area that we looked at, particularly in, in the high tech sector. There's so many different strategies being employed, because if you look at, for example, uh, Lenovo, they have adopted this strategy of vertical integration, which is making far more of their parts in-house. So there's far more raw materials, there's far more work in progress, uh, in addition to the, the that third part of the inventory, which is the finished parts. And they've adopted this because they believe that this is, it is a strategic strength for, for them, which gives them a competitive advantage because of the way that they are able to secure supply of parts. And also they believe it gives them the agility to change their manufacturing uh, and production strategy much, much uh, more quickly than companies working within a, a, a virtual network of suppliers. So, yeah, so Lenovo over the last few years has certainly ramped up the amount of inventory which it's holding in terms of raw materials and also work in progress, whereas other companies are already much more engaged with this, this virtual network, this virtual manufacturing, which I've been talking about, such as Apple, for example, which has 200 or so, well, many more suppliers, but, but 200 main suppliers, uh, and they secure their supplies through their suppliers. So very different strategies, uh, but all aiming at the same goal, which is to create customer value. 
Yeah, interesting. I wonder to what extent the Lenovo example might be something of an anomaly, because we've been hearing all along, especially when it comes to automotive and aerospace supply chains, about the increasing outsourcing of parts and components and huge assemblies and the like. So more going out of the door, being produced out the door than in. And now you're saying that Lenovo is the opposite of that. So is it just sort of like a smattering of everything happening out, out there? Or wh- which of those is, is more the trend, do you think? If we look at three different companies, for, for example, you'll see three different strategies. So you look at Dell, which was very much this, this virtual manufacturing network. Then you look at Hewlett-Packard, which actually did a lot better than Dell maybe 10 years ago because it had built up a numbers of its finished products and had a much more uh, store-based approach. And that store-based approach enabled it to have those, those levels of availability, which many people think that Dell didn't. And then, of course, we have Lenovo, which is a adapted a more vertically integrated technique. And, and Apple, as we know, use multiple, multiple suppliers rather than in vertical integration to ensure their supply. You can't just say consumer electronics, there is one best practice. You just look at each individual company and you say, well, they're, they're all employing different strategies. And some of those strategies are being are more effective and more successful the, than others. So sometimes the inventory is on their books and sometimes it's not. I mean, to what extent, for instance, are we looking at the possibility of an increase in vendor-managed inventory strategies where the inventory is there, but the company, the manufacturer, is not taking delivery and putting it on its books until the last possible minute? That certainly is the case and certainly one of the things that we've identified. And the, these trends do change you know with the change of management they will change the the level of outsourcing for example and vendor managed inventory this is certainly cyclical in terms of uh, sort of management approach to the, these issues as well are there macroeconomic trends that are encouraging the holding of inventory for instance i'm thinking of low interest rates cost of capital is less maybe there's less of a pressure on a balance sheet to have all that inventory that might change if if interest rates ever go up and i wonder also uh, the strong economies around the world might have something to do with it. Are there these larger economic trends that are also defining this trend? I think that's absolutely right. And that's what, one of the things that we've looked at as well. Uh, in looking back over the last 10 years, we were seeing that uh, obviously interest rates fell to a low probably around 2011. They've picked up very slightly since since that point but they've stayed at sort of levels which we've never seen before and that probably has had a, a big impact on the inventory management strategies because it's not so costly to hold inventory as it certainly was uh, in the early 2000s for example mm-hmm. so that that probably gives companies more tools in which to act, they can actually say okay well let's look at availability that's, that's that's going to be a strategic goal for us we want to get products and it doesn't cost them a huge amount. Let's look at risk mitigation. Let's build up these safety stocks, these buffers, again, because it's not actually costing them a huge amount. Now, if we see interest rates going up to three, four, five percent, or uh, certainly probably remember back in the, in the 90s when interest rates were in some countries got into double digits, then, then obviously the real impetus, the real need to uh, drive down an inventory may well come to the fore again. And given the fact that economies right now are relatively strong in terms of customer demand and the like, I'm assuming that this buildup of inventory doesn't also mean that the inventory is aging. 
that there are fewer turns, that the inventory actually is getting churned and is getting utilized mm-hmm. and is not going to waste or anything of that kind. Uh, would that be a correct assumption at this point? Yes. It, sometimes it makes the life very difficult for analysts to actually say whether this buildup of inventory is, is, is good or whether it's it's bad. But uh, you're, you're certainly right there. The, a buildup of inventory can be very positive. It's a sign that the company is going to embark on major production to meet demand. But, uh, mm-hmm. but of course, you can look at the, the same statistic, the, the same indicator, and the buildup of inventory could be a sign that you've brought in large amounts of goods from across the, the other side of the world, and it's sitting in your warehouses because there's no demand for it because you've got your forecasts wrong. But I, I think at the moment, and, and the, the very positive uh, in, uh, economic environment we're in, certainly it's more likely that when a, a company builds up its inventory, it is a, it's a positive sign that it's just about to embark on, on, on production. Uh, and that's because there is buoyant uh, consumer demand for its products. I'm not sure the extent to which you examine new technology in your report. And if we look now at the future and the imposition of technology such as artificial intelligence for gauging better consumer demand, the use of 3D printing or additive print uh, manufacturing, which requires fewer finished products on hand. I wonder, looking way into the future, do you, do you think that those things might change the picture and might result in a leaner approach to inventory at some point in the future? Absolutely. And of course, uh, Amazon have been uh, leading the way in this and uh, in some of its pronouncements on, on where it sees the, the industry going and some of the uh, new inventions which it's been patenting have been to do with the fact that it will be delivering inventory products uh, to customers just as they are able to order that. So they'll go on the, online, they'll press a button, and that product is actually somewhere in the road outside just waiting to be delivered, not because the company, not because Amazon or whoever it may be, actually knew that that individual was going to place that order, but because it knew that someone was going to place that order. And of course, this that relies on a huge amount of big data, a huge, huge amount of analytics from artificial intelligence to be able to crunch those numbers and to be able to get to something even close to, to that, uh, that scenario. So, so certainly, it's going to be all about the, the companies... Uh, are going to have the competitive advantage who are able to use the analytics to to look at data to be able to understand and forecast custom demand and have those, those products just waiting ready to to be dispatched or or even in transit so and of course 3d printing is of course is, is another part of that that you won't have cross-border supply chains you you'll either be manufacturing in a, in a single facility which may be in the us maybe in europe doesn't need to be out in uh, in china and so all you're moving around is the raw materials from that which will come from maybe latin america or asia uh, but actually the movement of the finished product will be from the facilities based uh, much closer to their their end markets, yeah. which will have a, a massive impact on supply chains upstream. Well, I'm sure we can't say that build to order is dead because customization is becoming so much more an important part of product offerings today. However, would I be too hasty in saying, well, this report tells me that lean and just in time are dead and uh, join the scrap heap of old ideas and technologies? It, 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 a little bit too early to say that? Or do you think that there's some validity to that statement? I think there is some validity to that. I'm not saying that just-in-time and lean are dead by by any stretch of the imagination. What I think we're, we're saying really is that the environment has become far more complicated 
uh, and sophisticated in its requirements. And companies are factoring in many more uh, issues. We talked about them, such as risk mitigation, for example. We talked about availability of products rather than just trying to nail down inventory all the time. This is only going to get more complicated as we move forward. I mean, if you look at, say, the consumer goods sector, where a lot of these consumer goods manufacturers are trying to uh, set up direct-to-consumer supply chains, you know, bypassing retailers, that's going to make their life very much more complicated as well. And again, they're going to have all the headaches now of, of retailers or e-retailers in trying to position their products in, in the right place uh, and deal with the volatility and cyclicality and seasonality which, which is involved in that. So certainly, I think we can say that uh, we're going to see over the next five to 10 years, far more complex requirements of the supply chains. And those requirements are going to uh, need maybe higher levels of inventory than companies have uh, been working with in the past. And I think the, the real key to this is going back to some of the technologies we were talking about, is how you use those technologies to actually mitigate the, the rises in inventory. You know, what Walmart's doing with inventory management, for example, using its the uh, algorithms and the AI and its technologies there. It knows it has to position its products close to the consumer so that they're they're either they are available to buy or they're going to be delivered within a few hours. They understand that this could swamp the company in, in terms of inventory. So although they, they, they know that inventory levels are going to come up, what they're trying to do desperately is, is find new ways of thinking in which they, they were going to mitigate those increases in the inventory. Well, I'm sure one thing is for certain that there will be more surprises in the future with regard to these trends. But in the meantime, we've been talking about the Inventory Benchmarking Vertical Sector Trends Report from Transport Intelligence and John Manners-Bell. Great to talk to you about it. Thank you so much for your insights. I hope to check back with you again to see how this is all going. But in the meantime, thanks so much for being with us today. It's been great speaking to you, Bob. Thanks very much. That was my conversation with John Manners-Bell of Transport Intelligence, talking about the rehabilitation of formerly evil inventory. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming and downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.